0: He Shoots, He Draws is sponsored by Westcott, in association with JP Distribution.
1: Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and
0: design, with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of He Shoots, He Draws. This one's a little bit different because rather than like a, a full-length episode, we wanted to throw in just a small 15 or 20 minutes, depends how long it's going to be, a bit of a chat, an interim chat in between some episodes because we've just recently been out to Photoshop World. And when I say we, I obviously mean my ever-present co-host, Dave Clayton. Hello, mate. How you doing? <laughs> I'm very well. Listen, I'm kind of keeping you in the shadows at the minute because I want you to talk about something in particular. So, okay. hey, no, no time not the present. So, Photoshop World, we're at Photoshop World. You, For those folks who've maybe seen, who are actually there, they will know already that you played a huge part in Photoshop World, literally from the word go. Uh, I, I kind of knew you were involved in some way, but you managed to keep it quiet from me. Uh, Which worries me because you're good at keeping (laughs) secrets. Um, But you were actually part of the keynote. You played a huge part. We'll put a link to this as well, Dave. Um, You played a huge part in the keynote. It's kind of like an acting gig. So I wanted to just ask you uh, in this interim episode about that because I remember a few episodes back, you talked about when you had your first speaking gig. And that's only recent. And here you are now doing this kind of acting gig. So that's taken a big change there with you. So tell us about it. Well, as a professional actor, <laughs> I uh, I
1: <laughs> No, it's funny, so I was out at um, Kelby 1 a few well, a few weeks ago uh, when I went to Creative South and Scott pulled me to one side and said, you know, since you're here, uh, I'd like you to be involved in the um, Photoshop World video, which I've seen other instructors, you know, have little cameo roles and I was like, yeah, you know, Pushes me out my comfort zone as usual, as You know what I'm like. <laughs> and um he told he told me what the story was about. And he goes, "Yeah, you're going to be like the main part of it." And it was, you know, what am I going to be? Because you know, being being British, you always bring something to an American uh, activity. Yeah. And and he explained it to me. And uh, I said, "Yeah, yeah, cool." Then I'll do it. Yeah, you know, as you said, I did I did my first speaking role when I was 50 at Photoshop World. If you're go is, in, well, go go you can. Which is how long ago
0: now? 15, 16 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, about that. <laughs> Chew, <laughs> chewing the wall. <water>. <laughs> so, um,
1: yeah, so he gave us this script and he said basically this story about the Beatles. And if you watch the keynote, you'll see what it was all about. But he said, you're going to play a rock historian. You've discovered this, this thing about the Beatles and you're just going to reveal it in an interview with Larry. And I have to say, Larry is a legend. We interviewed, we had that chat last week. Larry holds it together. He is so professional. and we got the script the night before which was like an overview and had to read it and then we got the finished script in the scripts in the morning we had two hours to record this because larry had an appointment so we go in there in the studio um black t-shirt sunglasses and scott just basically said you know this is the story be you as much as possible because i want the english britishness to come out so I thought well I can't let him down (laughs) so we sat there and because I kind of knew what the story was which always helps it's like getting into character when we did the shooting for you it's like you're going to be a psycho you're going to be a boxer I kind of got it in my head what it was going to be and I you know I had a few notes on the floor but Larry was just able to kind of thread it together for me and I just I don't know what happened to me I just turned into Dave the actor (laughs) and it was weird it was quite weird how you know how self conscious you feel you could
0: be, but it was good fun, and I was playing someone else. It goes back to the thing of playing the ah, character. Ah, right, okay. Now, I didn't know you are going to say that because that goes back to when we did that editor shoot. And have you have you mentioned about this on the podcast? How you were? I actually I had to ask you to be the model at a workshop, and you kind of you weren't looking forward to it, but it went really well because you weren't you.
1: Yeah, I think we touched on it in one of the episodes because we mentioned about the other characters that we played. Yeah, but um, yeah, we sat and recorded, it, and I got to be fair. Shout out to um, Leighton and Jason at Kelby One because they directed that perfectly. They would they would stop us and go, "Okay, now th- think about saying that as though you're like relaying the story." It was like a proper director <laughs> <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> and uh, managed managed to hold it together. Didn't corpse too much, but but seeing it. You know, it, recording it is one thing. I'm kind of a like. I don't watch my classes. I don't watch anything I've recorded. The only thing I listen to is the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So when when it came to the day and we finished it, Scott goes gave me the the, the Steve Jobs. Uh, just one more thing, and as what's that, he said, um, "I want you to come out on stage at the keynote and introduce the Beatles. they the Beatles cover band." So I basically had to go up on stage in front of everyone at the keynote. Now, that's a lot
0: of people, mate. Yeah.
1: And introduce it. So I'm standing backstage watching it on the screen at an angle, just thinking the whole time Christ, I need to lose some weight. <laughs> my <laughs> head looks massive. <laughs> um Yeah, you can't blame but, you can't you know, blame me at that moment for making your head. No, no. Your <laughs> <laughs> so the good thing was is I could hear the laughs at the points that we expected to get laughs from. Yeah. And um and then when my bit came I had to get up on stage and do the introduction and then the band come out and follow me. And I was bricking it. I knew I could get up and do it, but do, thinking about it and doing it are two
0: different things. Yeah, but you said there, like there, you it. say right, okay. You knew you could go and do it. Um, the confidence thing was there. Have been a time now when there's just nowhere on this earth you'd have done it because this. I think this is what the overall message is here that you're getting across is it's seeing this change in you. That's one thing I've really noticed in the time that we've known each other now, which is almost, I think, eight years. You're better at dates yeah. than me, but almost eight years. There's been a huge change in your confidence, whereas before you were always the kind of guy that was in the shadows, ever supportive, introducing people, and all that kind of stuff. And here you are now, in a relatively short space of time, you've gone from being that person to all of a sudden, bang, you're on on—you're doing uh, recording classes, you're on stage in front of – you had some great attendance in your InDesign classes, by the way. Um, yeah. And I said, I said to you at the time, the difference in your confidence when you were speaking, because I think it's not unfair to say that we're all the same when we first do our big teaching gigs, and you have got a huge audience there. It's a huge responsibility. Where, when obviously we support each other and sit in each other's classes, and I saw you up there that first time, and you were kind of, you could tell you were nervous, which is a natural thing. But this time round, I actually said to you, you just, you controlled everything. Even if something didn't go exactly how you wanted it or you didn't say it how you wanted it, you just dealt with it. Because there was a few audio issues, didn't phase you whatsoever. You just did it. So that's a huge thing of you. So would you be able to do this a few years ago, or is it just something you've just you encourage people to do to say, look, if you want to get confident, put yourself out of your comfort zone?
1: Yep. I think definitely if you are that kind of person like I've been in the past where, like you say, I stand I like to stand back and support rather than be up front. I think the difference for me was particularly with like being friends with you and the relationship with Scott and Kelby one is when somebody who you have so much respect for asks you and they've got the belief in you. I think all you can do is just step up and do it because if they didn't think you if they didn't think you could do it, they wouldn't ask you. And the fact that, you know, both you've pushed me and Scott's pushed me and, and the people around that have gone, you can do this, it does lift you and give you the confidence to go, well, do you know what? It's like Photoshop World, my first one. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna do it for the first time, I might as well do a good one. Yeah. Rather than, you know, a little small one in front of friends, which I think is more nervous. So I would say, yeah, if you if you are on the fence about pushing yourself forward on, you know, maybe if you thought about doing a podcast, if you thought about doing video training online the best thing you can do is just do it because what's the worst that can happen? You get, you get, you get to listen and watch it first, but yeah, I mean, I'm still the kind of person who sits back and wants to support, but I'm noticing now I used to be really self-conscious and I don't think you need to be. I think you just get on and do it. Yeah. I think,
0: I think the thing to take away from this is that um, just if other, other people can see something in you that you can't, and they wouldn't want to push you forward into such a position where you could fall flat on the face if they thought that would ever happen. You know, I I clearly, I know you can do it. Scott and the guys and, uh, and, you know, Kelby One, they know you can do it. It's a huge responsibility. They're not going to go and risk it. Do you know what I mean? It's not a case of they're doing you a favor. You are capable of it. And that's great to see that you've kind of just gone for it. But, mate, hats off to you. It is brilliant. And so many other comments from people as well saying it's great to see you on stage. It's also great to see that more design stuff is being brought into Photoshop World. So going forward, it's, it's almost like... It's almost like the industry, in particular Kelby One and APP, is doing full circle because I know when maybe we would have joined, there was a lot more Photoshoppy stuff than photography. So I think now there's going to be a really good balance as we go forward because I know that you're having conversations with with the folks there about how to develop more of that kind of content.
1: Yeah, and it was encouraging to have so many more designers in class because, like I said, one of my classes I did was, you know, for photographers to get inspired by graphic design. I ended up with 75% of the room with graphic yeah, designers. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge surprise, and, that was. And a lot of people thanking for, you know, bringing design back to the table. So, yeah, that was good. It was a good wrap-up for the week, and it was nice to get those classes out from under my belt because I was, you know even you do you always panic not panic but you're kind
0: of nervous that you're <laughs> yeah. but you're you're nervous that you want to deliver a good product not nervous that you can do it yeah get on it's get just on making stage. sure i mean personally speaking getting on stage i've never had a problem with uh I, I love getting on stage but you i am nervous anybody watches me before i have a class i'm always pacing around and if somebody speaks to you you're kind of giving a, a cursory conversation but you're not really thinking about that you think about what you've got to do because you're thinking oh, what well, i certainly do i'm only as good as my last job so this this time I present now, I've got to nail this, because otherwise people will tweet about it. And Joe McNally mentioned this, didn't he, in the interview, that if you, if you suck when you're on stage, that's across the internet before you stepped off stage. People Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. So it's really important to me that I do a good job, but mate... Nailed it. i said it again. i you know, I said it before. I'll say it again. You nailed it. You completely nailed it. Oh, so, thanks, mate. Cool.
1: Cheers, mate. There's that fiver back at you. <laughs> speaking of speaking of standing up and teaching, one thing I wanted to say to you, which is really interesting, because there was an episode where you talked quite openly about workshops and the, the fact that you weren't going to do workshops. And yet, having seen you talk about when you interviewed Nigel Danson and you were like, I'm going on his workshop, I'm going to do this one-to-one is you're still quite open to go on workshops and watching you teach because I mean man you you covered some space that week I think you did I think I counted it was five classes one pre-con one on the expo hall I think you nearly did a, a portfolio review that you were in the zone every single I think I saw pretty much nearly all the classes is I noticed the difference in that you teaching lighting and photography is so much different to when you used to teach Photoshop mm. and I think you
0: felt the difference in doing that yeah I mean I did a video on my YouTube channel as opposed to being an episode I think we have talked about it anyway but I did a video on YouTube saying why I'm no longer doing workshops and I explained about that we'll put a link to that video there to rather than go through it now however I did say that it was for the foreseeable future. Now, having done this recent Photoshop world, I was able to do, as opposed to just classes on Photoshop, which is a software-based thing, which can be really heavy going for people watching. Uh, I did a good mixture of Photoshop classes, but also lighting classes. And I've got to say, this was almost like a bit of an awakening for me that there is that both lighting teaching, lighting te- teaching, Photoshop are two very different beasts. Uh, because if uh, when you're teaching lighting, you can teach people. There can be people at different levels, but because of the way the whole thing works, you know, you're hands on, you're walking around, you're talking, you're leading people through it, you can have people of varying levels. You can have different setups where somebody who has got it, tell you what, you go over there, let's work on this and what it, and then come and spend some more time with somebody else. However, when you're doing Photoshop, you've literally got you at the front, a group of people in front of you with computers, and they're trying to follow along step by step. And inevitably, there are people at different levels if somebody gets lost, what tends to happen I found is that they don't really say anything, and then that's it. Once they've got lost, the whole day is pretty much lost. And I hated that. So I think going forward, I'm not going to use the word workshops, but I really I'm because of this the lighting stuff that we did and the feedback's been brilliant, I am going to look at putting on just a few lighting training days. Uh, and there'll be like half days just to show them this is the lighting that I do and to show them that listen go through these steps you'll be able to do it
1: yeah absolutely and also the thing I noticed from standing back at the class was the way you explained it it was just like a room full of you know those little things you get in the back of the car with the nodding heads <laughs> when you drive along yeah. it was funny you, there was a couple of things you came out with and it was collectively as a room their heads were just like ah and then when they got up you could see, again, this goes back to the confidence thing, is as much as you have confidence for teaching, I think there's a level of confidence in being taught, and people are a little bit scared, and they're, oh, I don't want to get up and make a fool of myself, but yet people were queuing up, they wanted to do that light technique you showed them, where they got their head behind to see the light, um, all right, there was a couple that kind of just want to get up and, and shoot and be trigger happy, but f- for the most part,
0: they all... Got it and wanted to do it and then try it and test it. Mate, I did did a class, as you know, and it was called Portrait Lighting is Easy, Trust Me. And that's an hour-long class showing people how to do my style of lighting. Well, I say my style. It's a style I've adopted, the Rembrandt style of lighting. I kid you not, two years ago, nowhere on earth would I have ever dreamt of getting on stage teaching lighting. Absolutely not. But I think the reason I've been able to do that now and I know I can nail it and I'm not kind of saying oh check me out I know I can nail that lighting now is because I've done what I said to, I say to people choose a style stick with it do it again yeah. and again and again and again and again and you'll master it and then if a curveball comes in where it doesn't quite work as it did actually on one of the sessions that we did I was, I was trying to show them how to get that perfect triangle of light for the Rembrandt lighting but the girl who was photographing I think it was Christine she smiled and when she smiled her cheek kind of uh, came out of it, and it caught a bit of the light, so the triangle of light wasn't there, but I was able, because I've done it so many times now, with confidence to say, the reason this happened was because of this, she then didn't smile, we did it, and it was perfect, but this is, If I was going to say anything about this, it's purely to say the only reason my confidence, you know, talk about your confidence on stage, my confidence with lighting has come in is because I've done it so much now rather than jumping around with all these different lighting styles and not really having one that I want to stick to.
1: I mean, how did you feel from, uh, because the other thing we've talked about before is feedback and uh, I know I certainly got a lot of feedback and it's interesting to see how different people approach it because... You could see in the room the people who were great at photography, not so good at Photoshop when you did some of the retouching. But now after we've come back from the event and you start seeing the images appearing on social media, it was quite nice that they're going, oh, yeah, you know, I'm really pleased I got this. And then I got the retouching because the danger is I've been in classes where I've stood at the back, not your classes, but I've stood at the back of classes where... You can see, you're looking around going, oh, yeah, see where they're getting on. See where they're getting on. They're on Facebook. They're on email. Yeah. They're on Twitter. They've given up. And
0: then and that, And that, that is exactly the thing that would always kind of… That, that disappointed me with workshops that I had done in the past, that you would lose people. But, you know, when you've got a group of people in front of you, what do you do, really, when there's you and maybe you, me instructing, you helping me out? There's only so much time you can give to people. The thing that really was the awakening for me on this particular Photoshop world was, and this happened with the pre-con that you helped me out with, as did Rob Sylvan and J.R. Maddox, was that I think now, for me going forward, if I was going to call them workshops that I did in the future, I know now how I would structure them. The majority of the day would be how to master the lighting. Concentrate on the lighting. Concentrate on the actual styling and all that kind of stuff. The Photoshop side of it, people get a download that they can then go home with and it takes them through all of the steps so they can learn it in their own time because that really i've seen is where people get lost not on the lighting i can confidently say that anybody who comes with me on a day where i'm teaching them lighting they will leave knowing how to do that photoshop entirely different thing so have a download so that i'm going to go forward with this one and i'm going to look at how we can work together and structure it but i think we can nail this
1: Yeah because when I did my InDesign classes the the difficulty for me is I'm up there on stage showing somebody how to do it and they're watching me so they can't take part they can't get their hands dirty so something like a lab where people can bring their laptops I think although it kind of contradicts what we've just said is smaller group and Mm. then you can work the room and help them. Boys, if you have a massive group, it can be quite difficult. Yeah. So that's something next year I'd like to look at. It was interesting because following on from Photoshop World, speaking of how people get up and present, and then occasionally you have one or two people who are just out there. I went to Creative Pro in New Orleans, and the first person to teach at the event was Russell Brown. Oh, what? And he taught this class about social media, and I'm thinking... You know Russell's pretty good on social media. It's not something I would think of him as being an expert at. And we sat there; this room was full. It was like the keynote, and to watch Russell teach was unbelievable. He had a stick with a bird on the end of it to start <laughs> off with. That was his pointing stick, and he did this really good class on social media. And what was so funny was, apart from the fact he brings his, you know, his uh, his own individuality to it and his personality. What he was teaching was actually really funny. It wasn't kind of "here's how you should do social media." He was pointing out things that make a difference. And this whole thing was he was showing a series of images, and he was explaining about. He said, "You know, I love likes. I'm a, I'm I'm a like I'm a like whore. I need I need the likes. I need to have all the likes all the time. Give me all the likes." And then he showed a series of images that he put up, and he was just explaining how the difference between um, putting up an image. And then adding something to that image was really clever. And all he did was he had kind of these landscape pictures. And he's just had this thing like he's going boring, boring. What we need here is add a jet. And that was his thing. And he added a little aeroplane going across the sky. And he said it was really interesting how when he posted the picture of a landscape, he got maybe 100 likes. But when he added the same photo with a jet or a bird, or just another element in the picture, he got so many more likes, and and he went on he went on to do this presentation about just adding these extra bits to the images. He goes, "I Photoshop, I you know, I was I was my name is on the first Photoshop that ever got released. Why <laughs> wouldn't I use Photoshop?" But it was quite interesting how a how engaging he was. But actually, you can learn something just by watching something fun. Yeah, absolutely. You've
0: got, got to have a fun environment when you're learning. Otherwise, it's just too much, it's too corporate, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, it's like
0: Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excellent. Actually, talking about the Instagram side of things and, and social media. One thing I've done, this is kind of linked, I guess. One thing I've learned over the last few weeks is that the way I'm using Instagram has made a difference to me. I don't post general day-to-day stuff on the main Instagram. I use my Mm. main posts to publish new pictures, mainly, portfolio type of work. But I'm using the Instagram stories a lot more. And I'm really enjoying that. And I'm noticing that the following that I'm getting is growing much quicker than it was when I was using it as kind of like, oh, here's what I've done today. Oh, here's my uh, here's my dinner and all that kind of stuff. I can use that for stories but not for the main Instagram. Seems to be making quite a difference, mate. And I'm finding um,
1: on Instagram I'm watching more stories than I ever did. Yeah which is and some of them are really good I mean I know you were going to show me how to do it because I, I first I couldn't understand how to add to a story because so, you know some people put one thing up and then next minute there's like loads of clips mm. but I'm f- I'm more engaged with the stories on Instagram now than I am on the post because you have know, got like the swipe up for links and all right there's sometimes it's a little bit you know smiley faces and, and stickers and stuff but for the
0: most part they're way more engaging because it's like a little live feed yeah do you know there's one thing i need to show you as well and i've only recently found this out i mean probably sound like a right dork for only knowing this happens now but on your instagram page as well you've got a section if you look at look above where your posts are it says highlights now what you can do there is you can actually once you've got some instagram stories that you've posted you can then add you can create a highlight which will include whatever stories you've previously published so let's say now that me and you are on a trip to america and we start yep. creating and post instagram stories while we're at the airport on the flight when we get to the hotel and all that kind of just random short stories at the end of the trip you can create as i've done now if you look on my instagram i've created one called psw18 and i've just gone through my instagram oh i, pub- I did that one that one clicked all the stories that i did and now it's created like a mini video of the trip and that'll wow. st- that'll stay there on your instagram page as long as you wanted to be there so I think that's a really cool – it's almost like having a – I know you hate the word – a Instagram vlog of your trip. <laughs> but it's really clever, really, really clever. So, um, yeah, that was one thing I learned. So always learning, mate, always learning.
1: Absolutely. I think you should do a little video, mate, just showing how to use Instagram stories.
0: I might do. Because, or, or if not, can you teach me? <laughs> I will teach you. <laughs> Listen, just just moving on. Just just moving on. because um, obviously we did say this was going to be a short episode. We, you know, we can talk for England. Um, one thing that I uh, I know you kind of saw it for the first time when I was teaching out there as well. Was I, I actually showed a technique, uh, which I literally just kind of um, found by accident. By experimenting, one of the things I talked about when we were at Photoshop and all the classes that I did, I, I was encouraging people to approach Photoshop and retouching with the mentality or the mindset of what would happen if, yeah. and kind of not worried to experiment and all this kind of stuff. So what what I what I ended up doing was I looked. There was a recent intro, um, a recent update to Premiere Pro CC, and the update was called uh, Color Match and basically what the whole idea behind this is imagine now if we were doing some filming and we used a number of different cameras let's say we had a canon to to film the main content and maybe we had a gopro for some b-roll uh, or an iphone or whatever for some extra extra b-roll when you put all those together obviously the footage does look very different so what this color match updating premiere pro allows you to do is make it look you can choose one one bit of footage as a reference Click a button, and then Premiere Pro will try as near as damn it to match the other footage so it all looks the same kind of look. So it gives a much more kind of uh, a better flow and a better viewing experience. So I saw that, and my what would happen if kind of mindset was thinking, I wonder if you can do it with pictures. So I imported pictures into Premiere Pro one of the ones I'd been working on, and I took a screen grab of a film still. And I think I did the the, the the movie Fury with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Took a still off YouTube, put it into Premiere Pro, and I said to Premiere, by clicking the button, make my World War II picture have the same colouring as that of Fury. Pressed one button, and it did it. And that was the first, like, wow, that works. But the magic thing about it was I can then export what Premiere Pro did yeah from premiere pro and create one of those lookup table adjustments from premiere i then imported that into photoshop and then applied it with one click to my pictures and it worked it's absolutely really? brilliant i'm thinking of doing a video on it i actually yesterday believe it or not i wrote uh, an addition to my new book the the photoshop the photoshop toolbox to go into the bonus section because I spoke to uh, Scott and Ted from Rocky Nook and they said, you've got to get that in the book. So I managed to write it all down step by step. So that will be in the book. But, uh, you know, little thing for me to to say with this episode is to approach your retouching with the what would happen if mentality because you can't break it. Goes back to confidence. Absolutely. Even,
1: even silly things like that, people are scared to do something wrong. Is they have to follow it like step by step. And oh, what you know? If it says minus twenty, what if I do minus thirty? Oh my god, I've broken Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. The whole the whole thing circles round. Is everything you do just have that little bit of confidence to just push forward in fact i just want to give a shout out to um to somebody on the podcast i met yesterday um it was a young girl called nifty fox creative laura and i went to this aaron draplin workshop in birmingham because i wanted to catch up with aaron and it was just you sit down and he was just doing a talk about how he approaches design and ask questions and and this girl a couple of years ago she'd posted that she was at home she'd completely given up didn't want to do anything just sat in bed. Everything she'd tried had failed, and she just needed a lift to do something. And somebody gave her the confidence and said, No, look, do this. She wants to be a graphic designer. And two years on, she got off her ass and she went out there and she's worked really hard and she's built up a little business for herself. And I met her yesterday and I hadn't realized it was her. And she came over and said, It was nice to meet you. I listen to the podcast, I watch what you do. It's so cool here. She didn't have a ticket she'd put out on social media that she really wanted to go and someone offered her a ticket. And again, a confidence thing, she just put herself out there and it was so nice to hear somebody go, you know, I had zero confidence, Mm. I didn't want to engage, I I was scared of failing. And now two years on, it was so good yesterday to see someone go through that, that have the confidence. So I just want to say thank you, Laura, for listening to the podcast Um, and just give her a little shout out because it just shows sometimes even if you think, You're not good enough or you can't do it. You know, look to your friends. People will always give you a lift and you just need
0: that one little thing to be a success. Mm. And then it snowballs. It kind kind of, again, I suppose that reinforces that a lot of the things that we worry about, if we actually do them, they never were as bad as what we thought they were going to be no Do you know what i mean and I, I know here's me trying to link things back to the bodybuilding days but when you didn't want to go to the gym you just couldn't be bothered when you did force yourself to go it probably ended up being the best work, workout you'd ever had so yeah. it's just stepping out your comfort zone and just doing it and trusting what other people have in you if, if other people see it and they're real friends because this is the key i think dave here is that i remember sean o'reilly who was my mentor with the bodybuilding he said that a true friend with bodybuilding would never let you get on stage if you weren't 100 ready So he'd be really honest. Sometimes you might not want to hear that honesty because it's kind of like always saying, your calves aren't looking so good, so don't go on stage. You're not ready yet. But those closest to us, our loved ones, they'll say we can do it no matter what, and that's the danger because it's going to kind of give us that false sense of security, that false confidence. We go on stage and we could potentially fall, and then that's it. Confidence is going to be shot to pieces. It's true friends, those real friends that have kind of Walked the walk and are doing it that they're the ones you should listen to because they've experienced what you're experiencing right now. You've only got to watch X
1: Factor. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when those when those kids get up and go, my mum says I seem like an angel. Yeah, well, yeah, a hell's angel <laughs> falling down a hill. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we just wanted to uh, really get this episode out of the way, talk about our week at Photoshop World and Creative Pro and a few other bits and pieces. We will be back next week with another interview, an awesome interview. Do you want to tell people who it is? is, Mr. Yeah, I, oh yeah,
0: it's just it is just our other brother, uh, Aaron Blaze. Can't wait. And I mean, we spent some time with him before we actually went to Photoshop World, stayed at his house. He is just. I want to be Aaron. He's just such a such a super super guy. He's just so humble, incredibly yeah. talented, and just just great to hang out with. So it's a really really good chat that we had with him about all sorts of things.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah.
0: Thanks for listening again
1: on this little bonus episode this week. Um, again, if you can leave reviews on iTunes, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Um, if you could share, like, follow us on social media at He Shoots, He Draws, we'd be eternally grateful. Everything's on the website, heshootshedraws.com. So if you can't remember a link, that's the place to go. And so we'll be back next week with our next interview. And we've got a couple more lined up as well that oh, we yeah. think we, you're going to enjoy. So, um, Absolutely.
0: Glenn, any final words? No, not at all. Uh, apart from, you know, now the website's there, I'm loving the website. Leave us a comment. Is there anything that you would like to ask anybody? Anybody you think, or oh, would love to hear from them, see what they think of whatever you know anybody you'd like us to interview just drop it in there but just just say hi it'd be great to just say hi know who you are that you're out there listening
1: yep cool okay well thanks for listening everyone and we'll be back with you next week we will do see you folks see ya. one two three ah oh. right do it again okay one two three okay cool
0: okay. all right so you
1: ready now we clean your